0: Hi, this is Eric with Writer Types, and I'm here in Toronto, Canada, about to go do a reading at Noir at the Bar, the day before the Bauschakon Mystery Convention begins. Canadian crime writers Rob Burnet and Tanis Mallow were kind enough to invite me to read, and uh, so I'm going to go do that right now. Here we go. Eric Beatner Well, like Rob said, I uh, co host a podcast called Writer Types, and we're going to be recording a lot of interviews and a lot of stuff this weekend. So, to kick it off, uh, why don't you say hi to the Writer Types listeners? Hello! Welcome to Writer Types, the crime and mystery fiction podcast. And we are coming to you out of the studio. We are in Toronto, Canada. My name is Eric Beatner and with me is SW Loudon. Tell them where we are, Steve. We are at the
1: BoucherCon Crime and Mystery Conference, about to kick things off for a weekend full of fun with some of our favorite writers. Plan to meet some new writers that we don't know and uh, attend some panels and actually sit in on some panels. But that's not the only reason why we're here, Steve. Why, what, what brings you to this particular convention? I'm glad you asked, actually, Eric, because previously I'd been to Toronto many years ago and I didn't get a chance to explore the city the way that I wanted to, and I thought this would be a really good opportunity to do that. You just want to get down on the ground, get some poutine, get really really see the real Canada. I, I'm hoping that I'll get to enjoy some poutine while I'm here. And then, um, uh, why, was there a reason you're here, Eric? Well, I am an Anthony Award nominee. But uh, I heard through the rumor mill that you, in fact, are as well. Yes, I am indeed nominated for the best novella category. Congratulations. Well, and congratulations to you. Thank you. Least I could do, <laughs> since I won't be
0: voting for you. <laughs> Well, it will be a long weekend while we take the the walk towards the Anthony Awards brunch, which is on the final day on Sunday. But until then, we have a lot of fun things in store. So let's go talk to some authors. Let's do it. So I'm here with Bill Beverly, author of Dodgers, which is nominated for Best First Novel. Is that right? It is. It is. Now, you are not someone who's from Los Angeles and yet you had the audacity to write a book about people from Los Angeles. What brought that on? Well, audacity first. (laughs) But I was one of those kids who grew, you know, some kids grew up thinking, I'll go to New York, I'll go to Paris, I'll go to Oklahoma and be a, a Bronco rider. I was the kid who always wanted to wind up in Los Angeles, and I read everything I could and watched every movie I could about L.A., about Hollywood, and it was a long, long time before I ever got to LA. But I, I just was always an LA-oriented kid, even in Michigan. Well, you, you did us proud, even though your characters are a little bit uh, morally questionable. Well, these days, who isn't a little bit morally questionable? Exactly. I've also got Lou Bernie here, uh, a veteran of Writer Types. Come here, Lou. I come on. I have one question. How has your life improved since you've been on Writer Types? Well, I've made a lot more money. Good. My skin is cleared up, and I feel like I've lost uh, the weight that I've been carrying ever since I turned middle-aged. Perfect. That's exactly what we shoot for.
1: I am here with Art Taylor, fresh off of his win for the McCavity last night. How was that?
0: Uh, exciting and surprising, and I was not ready to, to step up to the stage.
1: Yeah, uh, stiff competition. If you weren't going to choose yourself, who
0: did you think was going to best you? Oh my God, that's a hard question. I wasn't expecting that one. Uh, you know, it's such a great range of stories up there, um, and, uh, and 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 I'm friends with all the folks, most all the folks on there. I know them and all like that. So what's funny is, is even as I was obviously, you know, hoping that I would win, there were so many people I was cheering for. No matter who stepped up, I'd be cheering loud.
1: Yeah. So you and I run into each other mostly at conferences over the last two or three years. Yes. I'm wondering, uh, is the day that you stop going to conferences the day that you stop getting nominated for every single award that's
0: out there? No, no, (laughs) no. This is, that's funny, um, this is a community, this is family. That's the reason I come. It's not for the award, it's just to see the people like you. (laughs) So I'm, I'm outside the bar, I'm with Laura Litman and Allison Galen, I want to know from you guys, when you come to these things, so you've been doing it for a while, is there anyone that still you kind of fangirl over?
2: Always. I have so many people I'm a fangirl of. You know, Sarah Paretsky is still someone I'm incredibly excited to see, and through the weirdest quirk of life, my husband, who does a lot of genealogy, he found out that he and Sarah are distant cousins. Really? Yeah. There's like, there's like some guy in Israel named Moshe and he found out that he, and, and it's like he said to David one day, have you ever heard of the American crime writer Sarah Perezky? She's your cousin. So I sometimes send Sarah photographs of my daughter, like here's little cuz, but I'm still sort of, I mean, inside I'm just like dying because Sarah... Perezky, yeah.
0: Allison, how about you?
2: Um, I would say I would say Sarah Perezky and also Laura Linney. <laughs> that
0: works out well because you're hanging out.
2: Yes, honestly, like I mean, Laura's a really good friend, but I, I would say that I still kind of fan girl over. Her. I love her latest book. I'm really excited about it. And, Excellent. You know, so. All right.
0: Alright, I'm here with Vince and Rosemary Keenan and you guys write together as Renee Patrick and your debut novel has been nominated for an Anthony for Best First Novel, so congratulations.
3: Thank you so thank much. You, thank you, Eric.
0: Now I wanna know what has been different or unexpected from before you were published to now that you're published authors.
4: There's been so much more actual work to do. Afterwards, so after the book came out, we're like, now we need to let people know that the book is out there. Right. Um, it's been great fun doing it, but there's a lot to it. Blog tours and actual physical tours, It's it's been kind of great, but a lot of work.
3: Yeah, I think we're lucky in a lot of ways because given the subject matter of the book, because it's, it's set in old Hollywood, that creates some opportunities for us to do work that doesn't really feel like work. We get to talk to different audiences of people we get to kind of work with people who already know that world and love that world and that helps a lot
0: including y- your appearance on turner classic movies in noir alley that was exciting
3: yes which will be followed by a second appearance at the end of october
0: wow For, yes. do, can you say which film
3: i um, the strange love of martha ivor starring barbara Stanwyck. Oh,
0: okay now was and was that an edith head uh...
3: oh you bet yeah. yes. yes
0: all right and then uh, what did you guys do to celebrate the release of your first novel
3: what didn't we do? Well, we went out for a drink, but that was what we would have been doing anyway. Yeah, that's
0: a that's a regular weeknight that's for you.
3: Kind of like my other job, so uh, yeah. But anytime we have something to celebrate, it usually involves going back to Los Angeles and doing more research. It's like an excuse for us to say, well, let's go back to LA, talk up what just happened, but like dig deeper into the history. Because our favorite part of all of this is going to Paramount and pestering the people in the archives there for uh, information about Edith and to see the clothes.
0: And so they let you in and to, to see some of the actual costumes?
4: They do. They've got a whole room which is just jam-packed with archives of old costumes. And since Edith Head was there so long, most of the designs are Edith Head designs.
3: We went down there and, and mentioned in passing there's a beaded bolero jacket that Barbara Stanwyck wears in The Lady Eve. And Randall, the archivist there, said, oh, we have it. Three seconds later, he takes it out and says, no, go ahead, you can touch it, you can handle the garment. So we're actually like holding that. And he mentions things like, oh, here's a dinner jacket owned by William Desmond Taylor, like one of the most famous unsolved murders in Hollywood history. And we're like, can we look at this for bullet holes or anything? Like, we wanna, we wanna find the evidence that finally nails this shut while we're here. Didn't happen, sadly.
1: It's been a fantastic conference, and we've talked to a lot of authors, but we can't talk to them all, Eric. No, we can't. So we
0: had to turn to our trusty field reporter. And for that, we hired the biggest book nerd I know, my sister Gretchen.
5: Hi, this is Gretchen Beatner. I'm a field reporter with Writer Types, and I'm here live at VoucherCon with Chicago-based author Jamie Fravoletti. Jamie, welcome to the show. Thank you. So recently, you started a new venture as a publisher. Can you talk a little bit about that and how it's going?
6: Yes, I'm really excited about that. So about two years ago, I got in contact with Ingram, which, as you know, is the largest distributor of books now in probably North America, maybe soon to be the world, I don't know, next to Amazon. And we signed a deal. And what that means is I'm able to publish myself and other authors on this new press. It's called Calexia Press. And I'm very excited about it because we've got kind of a new business model with a marketing team. And they have a, we have a sales force and it's been an exciting venture to be able to see how a publishing house works from beginning, the very beginning stages.
5: Yeah. And that's gotta be great, because you've got all the experience as an author, and now you can kinda take it full circle. Exactly,
6: now I won't be running it long term. I'm getting everything in place, all the processes in place, then we'll have people running the house. But what I like about it is, It kind of gives me a little bit more control over what goes on, and I see, it gets me a chance to see behind the curtain, kind of Oz pulling back curtain, and I love it. And the first book for Calexia Press, it's what it's called, will be Blood Run, the the fifth in the Emma Caldridge series. And after my launch, the next author I'm expecting and hoping to see is Julie Heisey, oh, yes, the New yeah. York Times bestselling author. Yeah, so be it, we're up
5: and running. Yeah, so it's great. So good, a couple good books to look forward to there. You also wrote a chapter in Anatomy of Innocence, which paired authors with exonerees.
6: Yes, now I had written nonfiction as an attorney, but this was the first time I dealt with a real serious criminal issue. And it has changed my life, I have to tell you. It's called Anatomy of Innocence, Testimonies of the Wrongfully Convicted. Laura Caldwell and Les Klinger were the editors. We were each paired with an exoneree. Now, these are people who never did the the deed, okay? These people actually went to jail for a crime they didn't commit, and some of them for 20, 25 years. My guy was a, an African-American musician in Chicago, and he went down 10 years for A Crime He Didn't Commit. Lee Child's in it, Lori King, Sarah Paretzky. We each took a different exoneree and told their story, and it's powerful, and I would urge everyone to read this book. But honestly, it was, it's been the, one of the most fulfilling experiences of my writing career, I must say. Yeah.
0: So I'm here with Matt Goldman. Uh, he's here with his debut novel, Gone to Dust. Matt, how are you uh, enjoying your Bauschakon weekend?
7: It's great. Uh, mystery writers are great people to hang out with. Way better than those
0: vultures in Hollywood, right?
7: Not if they're listening to this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we, we just uh, had our panel for the uh, debut authors. We talked a little bit about uh, the things that have been different and, and unexpected in, in publishing. Uh, is, is one of the most unexpected things how nice everyone
7: is in this crime community? Nice, supportive so encouraging it's weird that this group of people who sits around in a room all day by themselves and thinks of clever ways to murder people turns out to be one of the nicest groups on a whole of human beings I've ever met that's weird <laughs> it is I suppose they need to show their other side exactly yeah <laughs>
1: So Eric, here we are. It is Friday afternoon. We just wrapped up our Writer Types Crime Quiz Live with Jay Stringer, Owen Lakinen, and Jess Lowry. Oh, that was fun. It was good stuff and I and I'm so thrilled that Owen won. <laughs> <laughs> is he lying? You'll have to tune in to find out. Right, I mean he, he killed it. He won a moral victory for sure. There, there was a death in the room, you could say that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but it was, a, it was a lot of fun. They were really good sports. Um, probably some of the most talented and funniest writers uh, on the circuit these days for sure. Absolutely, we, we cast that well, you and I. Know yeah. your weaknesses <laughs> and cast for people around you to fill them.
6: <laughs>
1: we are here with none other... Then author and editor extraordinaire, John McFetridge. John, how are you? I'm very well. John, you are on uh, the volunteer committee for BoucherCon 2017. That's right. And you are also the editor of the BoucherCon anthology.
8: That's right, Passport to Murder. So, John, tell us what your
1: duties as uh, the volunteer committee chair entails.
8: The, The first thing that always gets said about this is the BoucherCon is an entirely... Uh, volunteer-run convention. It's everybody working in it is volunteer. So that sounds like it's a really tough thing to do. But the the thing is, there's a lot of people who want to volunteer. A lot, a lot of people who uh, have done it before. So it's mostly just watching people who know what they're doing. It's the best but, kind of job. It is. I start. I the, the first time I volunteered was a few voucher cons ago, and then it was easy to just kind of get involved in the in the committee because it is. On the one hand, it's sort of the same thing every year, but. It's same in structure, it's different in content every time.
0: Now the anthology, Passport to Murder, how early on did you get involved in that?
8: Uh, almost right at the end of the last Boucher Con. Is this something you volunteered for, or were you drafted into it? (laughs) I was uh, asked if I would be interested in doing it, and I was... And were you? I was honoured to be asked. He has a politician's ease about the way that he lies. (laughs) (laughs) One of the the stipulations I put up, though, was I didn't want to turn anyone down. I didn't want to receive a bunch of short stories and have to tell people that I wasn't going to the anthology. So there's 180 stories in this anthology. <laughs> the book is $85. No, no. What happened was they, there were uh, uh, three readers read the stories first, and they culled them oh. and passed them on to me. This way we felt that at least there was a kind of a, a, a range of taste. It wasn't just what I liked. I'm noticing a trend where John...
0: He likes to work with volunteers who already know what they're doing. He likes to work, edit an anthology where it's pre-vetted for him. You're a very, very lazy man, aren't
4: you, John? The word
8: politician came up earlier, and now I'm thinking.
1: (laughs) It does make you wonder, though, the logic behind agreeing to speak with us. Because we're ill-prepared for this interview. No, that's true. Do you have any questions for you? (laughs) No, I have no questions for me. (laughs) Now, John... uh, among the many books you've written, you've written four books in the Toronto series. That's right. Um, and I read a really amazing recent interview with you uh, where you had a lot to say about Toronto. Um, I'd love for you to share some of your views about this city from a crime writer's perspective.
0: Because Let me just say, as, as a reader, your portrayal
8: of Toronto is not always the rosiest. That's right. It's <laughs> well, I'll tell you, like a lot of people, I think one of the things Toronto brags about a lot is that it's, it's multicultural. And really what that means is immigration has been way up in Toronto for a long time. So half Toronto's population is a little over 2 million. Half the people here were born somewhere else. Huh. And that's a great setting, I think, for crime because there's a lot of people trying to do stuff, a lot of people looking for an edge or trying to they're competitive, that kind of thing. But when I first moved to Toronto, uh, one of the first jobs I got was as a location scout for films that shoot here And I thought it would be a great way to get to know Toronto It turns out every assignment I got Was try and find an apartment building that looks like it's in New York Try and find <laughs> a building that looks like it could be Chicago Try and find So I was driving around town with a camera It was so long ago It was an actual camera with film <laughs> And I, we were looking for An apartment building with an awning it Would be great for New York and that kind of thing But it did get me around to a lot of different neighbourhoods in Toronto And uh, when, I, when I went to write a novel about it, I wanted something that got me around to all those neighborhoods Mm -hmm. and uh, I didn't have any exciting cab driver stories, so I thought, well what if they were criminals?
1: For Juxtaposition, the other series you write is set in Montreal. That's right. So, for those of us who don't know Canada well, using your writing, um, can you explain to us the difference between Montreal and and Toronto?
8: (laughs) Old and new. Um, You know, Montreal is an old place and it's very proud of its history. And it's kind of stuck in it. And Toronto has... The, so in Montreal, the, I grew up in Montreal. And the only thing we knew about Toronto was it was awful and we hated it. Then I moved to Toronto and I thought, it's not that bad. But it definitely over the last 20 years, Toronto has changed a lot. And, and Montreal hasn't changed so much.
1: So, John, uh, o- overall, you've, you've been involved in this bouchercon, con. You've been to other voucher cons. How would you say Toronto is shaping up?
8: Uh, pretty good pretty good. I have to admit, I was pretty worried because last year was in New Orleans and I thought, people are going to go to New Orleans and have a great time, they're going to go to Toronto and go, ooh, this is kind of like a David Cronenberg movie. It's a little cold and alienating." <laughs> and I think when you leave the hotel, it might be like that. But at least in the hotel, it's pretty good.
0: All right, I'm here with uh, Eric Rickstad, who uh, properly spells the name Eric, so thank you for that.
9: Yes, yes, uh, my parents. Uh, I'm indebted to them. <laughs> So
0: you, you've been doing this for at least a little while. It's, it's not your first rodeo. It's, what's changed from the first time that you were here at one of these things for your debut
9: novel versus now? Personally, I'm just more relaxed. I have a lot more fun doing it. Early on, you're a little stressed, and now you know, it's a lot of fun, and you know, I get to meet more and more great writers that I really like. Now, do you feel at all bad about
0: contributing to the proliferation of the overuse of the word girls in the title of your of your novels.
9: I do I'm, I'm totally ashamed. <laughs> you know I, I actually did the, the first one I uh, was kind of on the cusp of all that and then and then the names of Dead girls the most recent one I actually actively searched my manuscript for you know I, I can't have girls in the title. I just I just can't do it. <laughs> And then I did, because I looked through it and looked through it and it really pertained and it was better than, than a lot of the others, but um, the next one won't have girls in it.
0: Okay, tell us about the next one. What's what's coming out next?
9: Uh, well, the next one's a standalone. It's set in the same locale in, in northern Vermont, in the rural area. And it's about a man who's been a recluse for 20 years ever since his wife and daughter disappeared when he came home. Uh, and were never found again and of course he was the number one suspect and he finds 20 years later on the anniversary of his wife and daughter disappearing a a young girl who was his his daughter's age the age of his daughter at the time she disappeared
0: so you're here now in this uh, very social atmosphere. You're, you're obviously not a recluse yourself, but is this your kind of environment, or are you more of a homebody?
9: Uh, I'm, I'm a homebody. I'm a woods body. I like the woods. I like being in the woods. So
0: okay. you're one step away from uh, yeah. being a recluse
9: in the woods. Yeah, I, yeah, I write, write what you know. <laughs>
1: Sarah Chen, you and I yes. are both nominated for Best Novella. We are. I'm wondering if you're feeling as conflicted as I am, because just about everybody in this category is a friend of ours yes. from the West Coast.
5: I know. It's, it's tough. But yeah. it's exciting that we're all nominated and we're friends.
1: Yes, it is. You think we'll remain friends. I mean, that's really the question <laughs> I'm, I'm asking.
5: I, I think so. I think yeah. we can get past it. Don't you?
1: I'm hoping so, but I think it depends a lot on the outcome.
5: That's true, that's true.
1: Because if Angel wins, you and I are gonna take him out. Isn't that the case? We agreed.
5: Oh, we're agreeing on that, okay. I thought
1: we had previously agreed. Was that not you? I, Maybe it was that John wasn't Shepard. Me.
5: Yeah, I was gonna say, it wasn't me. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know this was a plan. Well, best of luck
1: uh, in all sincerity. And, and you the best as developer. well. Yes.
0: All right, we're here in the lobby with Daniel Palmer. Daniel, this is uh, one of those conventions that you've been to several times, so we got to know what's the craziest thing that's ever happened to you at a convention like this. The craziest thing? Yeah. Lord, um, I, I know the answer to this, by the way. Just you before do? you, yes. Think think of St. Louis. Cab ride. Oh. Yeah, we went on that. What the cab driver was going to kill us. That's <laughs> and, the one. And he...
1: Yeah. Okay. I'll take that one okay. as the as the strangest thing that's ever happened. I agree. Yes, for sure. That was terrifying. I'm actually not over it. I had blocked it out. So thank you for reintroducing that horrible memory. You're
0: welcome. Okay. <laughs> I,
1: I've been hearing rumors of a tremendous. Uh, wi- Whoa! John Jordan just touched my butt, people. Um, I've been hearing rumors of a tremendous whiskey tasting that occurred in your room last night. I'd I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, Yeah, that was the first party I've hosted since high school. And it was very much like high school where all of a sudden I'm going, Hey, I don't know you. Who are
8: you? Who are you? And is my mom going to come home anytime soon? And do we need carpet cleaner? So that was the party. It was a good time though. We rocked it.
1: And how are you feeling today?
8: Couldn't be happier, couldn't be better, man. (laughs) Like Kenny Rogers said, you gotta know when to hold them and know when to fold them. So I folded at the right time.
5: Hi, this is Steph Broadrip, author of Deep Down Dead, which is my debut novel, an action thriller with a touch of romantic suspense. Coming to Bouchercon as a writer has been an amazing experience. It's such a huge convention and to be here with my debut novel alongside all the amazing authors I've read for so long as a reader is pretty or inspiring. Everyone has been super friendly and there have been so many great panels to go to. Being on a panel myself and seeing my book in the convention bookstore was a massive thrill.
0: So I'm here with the legendary author, Bill Kreider. Do you mind if I call you legendary? That's
10: perfectly okay with me.
0: <laughs> Tell me, is there anyone when you come to these events that you still get excited to, to meet and maybe get a book
10: signed? Actually, I do. Know, I used to bring tons of books. I no longer bring books to be signed. But I'm always glad to see anybody. I ran into Alifair Burke today. Wow. What a great, that was a thrill. I'm going to see Charlene Harris tomorrow night, another thrill. So, yeah, there's still people I love to see.
0: And we both have a love for those uh, classic pulp authors. Is there any of those guys that you got to
10: meet and hang out with? There are several that I corresponded with and never met personally, like Harry Whittington, William Campbell Galt, uh, a few others. Uh, But I never met any of them personally, much to my regret.
0: I have no regrets because I've met you, and have struck up a, a friendship at these sort of events, so I appreciate it. So it's always good to see you, Bill.
9: All right, great to see you, Eric.
6: This is Kristen LaBianca, author of the debut novel The Last Place You Look, and attending BoucherCon as a writer after being a reader and a fan for so long was just an amazing experience. It's so exciting to see how many people are enthusiastic about the genre. It's really great to be able to talk about the types of stories that I write without sounding like a weirdo, which sometimes when you're not talking to mystery readers, uh, I worry about that. (laughs) It's just a a great place to, to really be with, I feel like, my people as a crime writer and meeting all of my fellow writers was fantastic as well.
0: Time for another check-in with the Writer Types field reporter, my sister Gretchen.
5: Hi, this is Gretchen Beatner, field reporter for Writer Types, and I'm here live at BoucherCon with New York based author Tim O'Meara.
4: Well thanks for having me.
5: Um so Tim, so your protagonist in your series, Raymond Dunn, is an ex-cop and he's also a school teacher. You were also a middle school teacher for many years. What do you think is scarier,
4: a room full (laughs) of
5: middle school kids or criminals with guns or murderers?
4: That's very interesting because uh, early on in my career, unfortunately, I had an incident in my classroom where the officers were called, local officers were called, and as she was walking out, this female police officer looked at me and said, "How do you do what you do every day?" And I was like,
5: "So she thought your job was scarier than the hers." You're the one
4: wearing blue and a gun. She goes, "Yeah, but I deal with different knuckleheads all the day. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta deal with the same ones." And the, but it's interesting. It's, it's a my brother's a cop, and uh, there's one skill that we both share, and that's the ability to question kids and question adults. That's where I think the best learning comes from, and I think that's where the best police work comes from I kind of like that that crossover so. and was
5: that kind of the inspiration for your character a little bit of you a little bit of your brother yeah
4: I um I realized I wanted a school teacher because I was in this um I was a fish out of water in the projects and I I like, this would be a great opening for a book but I'm not cool enough <laughs> so I said you know who's cool my brother so I I took the two of us and put us together and uh you know whenever you see Raymond being kind and sensitive and insightful that's me when he's kicking ass and being rude. That's my and brother. Yeah, so.
1: <laughs> Eric and I are walking down the street right now with uh, author Eric Pruitt. How uh, you doing? We are looking for a place to have dinner. Now, Eric, when Khan when was in Raleigh a couple years ago, you took me on a hell ride in the rain to, to go to one of your favorite Carolina barbecue places, because you are couldn't there? stomach the idea of me having bad barbecue no, in Raleigh,
7: You can't have bad barbecue <laughs> when you come to North Carolina. That's a sin.
1: Uh, what I want to know is while you're here in Toronto, have you been uh, searching out any kind of specific food
7: or dishes or restaurants? Man, I've been looking for poutine. They have smoked meat poutine. They have pulled pork poutine, brisket poutine, brisket chili poutine. I've seen a duck poutine. i even seen a lobster <laughs> poutine. I, if I eat that, I'm not going to tell my friends, but there is a lobster poutine, and I plan to have it. And uh (laughs) into
0: Forrest Gump all (laughs) of a (laughs) sudden.
7: Yeah, I think there is a shrimp poutine. (laughs) Eric, are are we having poutine for dinner? I like that option, Steve. Thank you. Eric, congratulations
9: on
0: uh, your new novel, What We Reckon. So uh, I guess our first question is, uh, what do you reckon?
7: Oh, man, I reckon I'm looking forward to a big old plate of poutine. Me too. Now this is not your first poutine though, right? No, no, no. I've, I've been around a block on a poutine here in Toronto, Canada. This, this, this is going to be my first. Yeah. it's, it's yeah. not even my first poutine today,
0: brother. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a book promotion yeah. tour right there.
7: Uh, hopefully that shows you my level of commitment. <laughs>
1: What, what is it about the poutine that you like so much? Is it the french fries, the gravy, or the cheese curds?
7: Man, I like the whole thing. Any <laughs> any anytime, anytime I go somewhere, I like to know what it is they got to eat, and then I want to know who makes it the best. They call <laughs> it an obsession. All right, your new novel has been described as Full Metal Faulkner.
0: How do you live up to high praise like that?
7: I want to thank Jim Thompson for that quote. Thank you, Jim, for full metal Faulkner. That's a hard one to live up to, but I want to let you all know I don't have nearly as many run-on sentences as uh, William Faulkner does. I do (laughs) make liberal use of my periods and commas. I promise you.
0: So, So if you like punctuation... That, that's, that's not as impressive a blur. I punctuate the hell out of it, yes, sir. <laughs> Speaking of Faulkner, do you
1: fully identify as a southern fiction writer?
7: I like to think so, yes. Yeah, I like to say it's the new south, not like the south with the, that gets the bad rap in the newspapers, but the new south, you know, pot that melts. But you Okay, so you grew up in Texas, and you currently reside
1: in North Carolina. Yes, sir. Um, would you consider Texas riders Southern riders, or do you think that Texas has its own flavor?
7: I think, A, I do think it has its own flavor, but as far as like the regional regionalism goes, they say that the South ends in Dallas and the West begins in Fort Worth. So as long as you're down there in East Texas, you know, Joe Lansdale territory, you're still very much Southern.
0: Is this novel do you think a, a departure for you from your first novels, Dirtbag and Hashtag,
7: or is this more of a continuation of the, the Eric Pruitt voice that we know and love? I like to imagine it as a continuation, most definitely. If you were if you liked my first two novels, you're gonna feel right at home with this one. And this one I tell the story in two parts as opposed to three. But, uh, wait a
0: minute. That's now you've lost me. No, (laughs) no one said there'd be math in this podcast. I'm not sure.
7: (laughs) Those questions will be on the test. Yeah, that's really really the only difference. A lot of times I like to to let three people tell the story, and I still do it, but as opposed to over three distinct parts, it's really just two. That's the only difference. It's still the same, you know, wet and wild shit slot of fun that you've been having in the first two.
1: You're also an indie filmmaker. How how does your approach to writing differ from your movies to your books?
7: I think I I get to spend less time really internalizing what they're doing because it's the great thing when you work with such really, really good actors. Like the new film we've got coming out called Going Down Slow. I was fortunate to work with two already award-winning filmmakers, Meredith Sousey and Michael Howard, as actors, so you can watch them you know, take over the internalizations that normally I would have to write in. It's such a collaborative thing, it takes all the pressure off of me. So,
1: our food's about to get here, so we're gonna mm. hit pause and enjoy our food, but we will be coming back to get Eric's review of our bulgogi poutine and our fried chicken poutine. So, thank you. I'm looking forward to it. To it. All right. We have just finished our dinner of uh, poutine with fried chicken and Eric Pruitt since you're the closest thing we have to a, a foreign poutine expert I'd love to know
7: what your review of the dinner was man based on the poutines I've had around town I wasn't super crazy about this one Smokes had those curds and I think that really added to it this place it seemed like either they melted the curds or the cheese was too was just melted cheese so It failed on the curd spectrum. The fried chicken was banging. That stuff was really good. But I tell you what, if I wandered in there about midnight with a belly full of whiskey, I'd probably love the hell out of that poutine. But I think on the Toronto stop, it wasn't super impressive, but the company was nice.
0: It's always fascinating to talk to so many writers and and to get all their different takes on on a conference like this, because this really is uh, it's, it's a unique experience in the writer world where you get to come out of your cave and, and actually interact
1: with other people. Because the <laughs> fact of the matter is hanging out with all these writers and these, uh, these industry professionals is so much fun. Such talented, wonderful people to be around um, and it really does feel like your tribe. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go meet some more tribe members. Let's do it. Hey, I'm here with Ed Amar. We just got done looking at the best anthology panel. What do you think of the panel?
8: I thought it was great. I voted for
1: all of them. Every one. How did you actually manage that? I've been stealing ballots the whole time. Is, does that mean you're going into people's bags or into their hotel rooms? No, it's, it's nothing creepy. I'm going to their hotel rooms. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. I thought I recognized you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was me. That was me. Speaking of strange things happening conventions, what's the strangest thing that's ever happened to you at a writing convention?
8: Well, oh, actually, you know what? I do have something. Uh, it's I'm not someone to get hung up with stereotype or gender constructs or something but the last uh, convention I was at Chris Holm had just won the Anthony and I went up to him to congratulate him the next day and I went to give him a hug and I uh, stood on my tiptoes and it didn't really you know it wasn't something I did consciously but ever since then I felt a little emasculated and I think whenever Chris sees me he knows that he is sort of one up me and is maybe a bit more of a man than I am
1: Oh, hey, speaking of which, there's Chris home. I got to go. Talk to you later.
0: I'm here with author Laura McHugh. And Laura, I have to ask, when you come to these uh, sort of conferences and you're around all these writers, is there anybody that you still sort of fangirl out about meeting?
5: I love Laura Lippman so much. And I've met her several times now. And she is so nice. But I still like feel like I'm going to get teary <laughs> every time I go up to her to get her to sign a book.
0: And have you had that, like, when you see her again, does she remember you? Do you have to introduce yourself all over again?
5: Oh. She knows who I am. Like the very first time I had her sign a book for me and I was holding up my name tag, you know, for her to see my name. She's like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy for all this stuff going on with your book. and so excited. Like she knew who I was. And then of course I got all teary. I'm like, I love you. Like I said, I love you.
0: She's a class <laughs> she, act.
5: She, yes. She's used to that kind of thing. Didn't phase her one bit. So,
0: so have you ever had any just crazy experiences at these kind of things? What is there a wacky story that stands out?
5: No. No?
0: <laughs> yeah. I can see in your eyes there's, something you're not, there's a story you're not telling me.
5: <laughs> not on the podcast. Eric. Right. No.
1: Eric, I've got a fever and there's only one thing that can cure it. And that's another field interview from your sister, Gretchen.
5: Hi, this is Gretchen Beatner. I'm a field reporter with Writer Types, and I'm here live at BoucherCon with writer Andrew Grant.
10: Thanks, Gretchen. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me.
5: Yeah. So, your latest series, Cooper Devereux, is the, the protagonist, and this one you set it in Alabama. And do you have connections to Alabama, or...? Um,
10: Well, very loosely, there there are really two reasons that I set the series in Birmingham, Alabama. The first one is a kind of sensible reason, which is that when I was planning out the the plot for the first in the series, which is False Positive, um, the plot called for um, a combination of a big major city that was near a place where you could feasibly have a cabin in the woods. You needed both locations. But the real clincher for me is that I'm actually from Birmingham, England.
3: I was so, wondering about
5: that. I if that had any yeah. connection. So, I,
10: and I, I'm a, I love symmetry, and I just thought there was something really nice about someone from Birmingham, England, writing about Birmingham, Birmingham Alabama. Alabama. So that, that, that sealed the deal.
5: Okay, excellent. And then, so I just read your false, or false friend, your newest one. And in there, at one point, they go and they eat at Sneaky Pete's hot dogs. They do. <laughs> and I was just wondering, so I have a cat named Sneaky Pete. Oh, excellent. So, he, you uh-huh. know, he wants to know if he's the inspiration for that because he's been telling all the other cats that... <laughs> excellent. Well, I think that he should continue with that line
10: because, you know, if, you, if your cat is, uh, you know, is uh, is getting one up on the other yeah. ones, I think it's important to go with that, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, but Sneaky Pete's is a great place. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in, in Birmingham, one of the things is, you know, they take their barbecue seriously. And uh, that's one of been And I've spent a lot of time there... Searching the locations and so on. And, um, yeah, I always come back a few pounds heavier than yeah. I went. <laughs>
5: So you said you're starting on book three of, of this series? Well, or? yeah,
10: actually, book three, is it's finished. It's, oh, it's done. Uh, oh, yeah, good, it's, good, good. It's getting launched on uh, January 2nd. Oh, excellent. Yeah.
5: So right around the corner. Yeah, and
10: it's, it's one I really enjoyed writing. Um, what happened? It's called False Witness. Okay. And um, the, the idea for this book, it opens with... Uh, you know, Cooper Devere is still in trouble. He's trying to sort things out with his girlfriend. He's still got all kinds of trouble in his personal life. But professionally, uh, a 21-year-old girl goes missing. Um, Well, in fact, she's 20 when she goes missing. She's discovered on her 21st birthday, murdered, wrapped like a birthday present in a sheet. (laughs) And the following day, another girl who's just turned 21 is discovered, murdered. So um, the, the police obviously realize that there's a killer on the loose for some reason murdering girls who are just turning 21. And um, initially uh, you know, he's got nothing to go on, there are no clues, there's no obvious reason. And that's what I really love about writing this series because um, I'm really drawn to the kind of crimes that have no obvious explanation. You know, Dillinger in Chicago was asked, why did you rob the bank? And his answer was, because that's where the money is. <laughs> you know, those kind of crimes are straightforward. Right. Other crimes, I've read countless um, criminal psychology books and FBI profile and memoirs, and there are all kinds of crimes out there that on the face of them seem to have no explanation because a regular person cannot possibly contemplate right. why yeah. these just appalling acts of, of, of brutality actually make sense to people because... these perpetrators. They don't wake up in the morning and give a Machiavellian laugh and decide, you know, today I'm going to do something (laughs) evil. You know, they do the only thing that they think they can. They're driven to it. There's no alternative. So in the same way that a a thriller contains an element of mystery that you have, as a reader, you you have to figure out. It's, for me as a writer, it's the same thing, trying to figure out what it is that motivates these people to do things that the rest of us just could never, ever dream of doing.
0: Steve and I are here with Allison Galen right after our Crime Quiz Live. You uh, you swooped in and uh, threw out a, an answer for Jay Stringer. Congratulations for knowing Al Roker wrote mystery novels.
2: I am. My knowledge of weathermen is is boundless, apparently. So, yeah, I'm really, I'm very uh, honored. Is,
0: now, does it bother you a little bit that now this is really what you're going to be known for, other than the books are now taking the second place to your, your knowledge of TV weathermen?
2: Yeah, you know... I didn't really want to let on too much that I did have this knowledge, so I, you know, I kind of outed myself, but you know.
1: aside from this conversation, what is the strangest thing that's ever happened to you at a mystery convention?
2: Well, it's just such a strange experience in general. The entire thing. Oh, I know. I did this reading for this guy, Eric Bietner, and I only got to read one yeah, page read of my book. So that was kind of strange.
9: <laughs>
1: that's actually not that strange for Eric. He's allowed me. I've done readings with him where I've flown across the country and gotten to read 60
2: seconds. Yeah, that's it. I know. Yeah. There's like tons of us. That actually was really fun. Besides that being one of the, you know, the strangest things, it was probably the most pleasurable reading I've ever had because I hate reading for longer than two seconds, really. So I, I really enjoyed it. You
0: know. Well, you know, Steve and I are both nominated for Anthony Awards, yes. as as you know. Yes. Uh, and you yourself have been nominated and won several awards. Yes. So we're here to get uh, the advice for what we do when we lose. Um... You don't even know. You're, you're used to, too used to winning. I,
2: I, I prefer t- flipping tables over and okay. screaming prostitution whore at the top of my lungs. <laughs> that's usually what I do to Eric after every time we record writer types. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. See, so you're practicing. Yeah, that's so, right. so, yes. That's
0: cute cute little about. nickname we have for each other.
1: <laughs>
9: prostitution <laughs> horror.
0: I'm here at
1: Bauschakon with Matthew Iden. Uh Matthew, your latest book got a pretty huge shout out from the Malmans on our podcast here. I'm imagining you got a very significant bump in sales from that.
8: <laughs> yes, I owe all of my uh, success to the Malmans.
1: I appreciate everything they've done and uh, the check will be coming soon. Matthew, how has your Bauschakon been so far this year? It is fantastic. Bauschakon is really the place where you meet the people that know you, for better or worse. I just love coming here. I love seeing you guys, people I haven't seen in a year, making new friends, keeping up old relationships. It's
6: pretty cool.
2: This is Jennifer Susar, author of the debut novel Parent Teacher Association. Coming to a conference like BoucherCon was not only really fun, but it rounded out the whole experience of what it means to be an author. When you're writing you isolate yourself and enter into an inner world and you spend a long time there. So when you come to a conference, you get to step out of that quiet shadow. And when you're bringing your first novel with you, it's a celebration. You've accomplished this great thing and now you get to talk about it with a whole new community of people who are just as passionate about the genre as you are. This is
10: Mary Torgerson, author of my debut novel, Gone Without a Trace. What I loved about VoucherCon was having so much in common with so many people there. Most of my friends at home don't read the same novels that I do, so it's been really great to chat to people about books I've loved. I've come home laden with new books by writers who've been on panels at VoucherCon, and I'm already planning to buy my ticket for Florida next year. I hope to see you there.
0: Well, Steve, here it is Sunday morning, the morning of the Anthony Awards ceremony, and you and I have had a long weekend, a little bit tired, but energized to get in there and uh, and see who is going to win these really tight categories. Yeah, I've talked to a lot of the authors that are nominated.
1: I think everybody is definitely embracing the, it's nice to be nominated, and I think I'm definitely in that category as well at this point, because yeah. uh, as I said earlier, it is, if you're going to lose, lose to your friends. And Absolutely.
0: I count pretty much all of the nominees this year among my friends. It's special in that way, and I think that the same goes for every category. I mean, I was looking at the nominees for Best Novel, it's How Do You Choose, Best Debut Novel, that, that is a, just a murderous row of great novels, so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really a really good year. Actually, it makes you really think, this has been a damn good year for books.
1: Talking to some of the newer authors and seeing some of the releases that are coming up, I, I imagine 2018 will only be better.
0: Well, Steve, this is my last chance to say good luck to you. And good luck to you. I, I really wish you had voted for me. Well, maybe next year.
1: I am down here in the bowels of the Sheraton awaiting the Anthony Award ceremony with McCavity Award winner James Ziskin. James... How much of your victory do you chalk up to your interview on the Writer Types podcast? I think it's about 99%. Right, and to what do you credit the other 1%? I credit that to you, Steve.
0: Thank you, that's all I needed. (laughs) All right, Steve, here we are at the actual table. The ceremony is about to begin, and we are lucky enough to be at a table with several nominees. Immediately to our right, Owen Matthews. Uh, we also have Chris Holm and Joe E. Day, and uh, Jennifer Wolf is with us too. So, this is going to be an exciting table to be at. I think a lot of people are going to be standing up and uh, running
1: up front to accept awards. I'm thinking the same thing. I'm ready to start clapping. I'm ready to stop sobbing. I'm ready to stop feeling like I'm going to vomit. How about you? Yeah, well, I, I'm, I still may
0: vomit, but that's why you're here.
1: I'll hold you, buddy.
9: <laughs>
0: hold my ponytail. <laughs> Watchers by Phil Beverly, yeah. We're about to get the first award of the n- afternoon. It's the best first novel. Woo! Woo! And the winner is IQ Bunch. Yeah! Woo! Joe Ide, leaping yeah! up from our very own table to go accept his award. Is that good luck for us, dude? Uh, he might have just won all the LA awards. Oh, oh you're
1: right. Yeah. Damn you, Joe. <laughs> Eric, it's the big moment for Best Paperback Original. Uh, is your speech ready and did you thank me? You should be asking yourself, did James Ziskin thank you? James actually did, which is why I'm asking you.
5: And the Anthony goes to James W. Ziskin. As predicted.
0: All right. Jim Ziskin wins it, which is not nice a surprise, but very well-deserved.
1: Gotta love James Ziskin, and I'm going to chalk this up to his thanking me in advance for winning. That's it, yeah.
0: You're my jinx. Alright Eric, here's chance number two. Are you going to let us down this time? Uh, uh, it's what I'm best at. Right? <laughs> All right. I forgot to mention, we're sitting right next to our agent, Amy Moore Benson, and if I lose twice, am I dropped?
2: Terrific. Absolutely. <laughs> 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 and the winner is Greg Hearn for Blood
9: on the Bible.
0: There you go. Yeah. The Anthology takes it again.
1: I have a story in that one though. To... Suddenly mm. I want to write about guns again.
0: Time now for the best novella category. They pushed this late, so it must be
1: pretty important into the ceremony. I'm feeling at this point like this is Schrodinger's award. I'm right now, I'm a winner and a loser.
7: Oh. B.K. Stevens, The Last There
1: you go.
0: Congratulations to Bonnie. <laughs> Just saw him right at our table, about to find out if he won best novel or not.
1: In the lead for the handsomest man at this table.
0: That's true. <laughs> It's the beard. It is. It's always the beard.
5: And it's a clean sweep, Louise Penny.
0: There you go. Woo. Chris Holm just stood up and stormed out. She's knocking over chairs. He just punched Louise Penny's agent. We're here at Post-Anthony Awards with James Ziskin. Congratulations, Jim, but uh, it appears as if you've already broken your award.
8: I I have, and and I'm going to Disney World.
0: (laughs) Do you have anything to say to me that would make me feel better in my loss? Um, well, I was honored to be nominated with you, and I was, I was very gratified to see you nominated for two awards. So I think that that's really great, Eric. I know we're not shooting video, but the insincerity comes through on audio, Jim. That was a, that was a nice try. It but. is.
1: Um, well, you know... I've, I've been trying to fool people for four days, and I'm, I'm kind of out of gas at
0: this point. <laughs> All right, we're here uh, once again with Katrina McPherson. Uh, welcome back on Writer Types. How has your life changed since your appearance on the show? Oh, well, I don't have
10: time for the little people now. No, I've, <laughs> I'm supposed to be talking about what a fantastic voucher con it's been, right? Oh, you, can, you, can have, you can talk about whatever you, you talk want. About yeah, us, see, you I don't take direction anymore, <laughs> yeah. It's been a wonderful voucher con. It's been a major hoolie, no stushy whatsoever still keeping up with the Scottish dialect (laughs) a bit of a mascara melter and a little bit too much fake blood in the bathroom but apart from that, great stuff
1: That wasn't fake blood
10: Oh, I wish I hadn't licked it now (laughs)
1: Well, Eric, I know you said that Bausher Khan was not going to end this year and it definitely
0: felt that way at three o'clock in the morning, but it's over. Another Bausher Khan in the books. Congratulations to all the winners at the Anthony Awards. It was great to be in the room as nominees and, and some really fabulous books won. So I, I, it was a great weekend overall.
1: Yeah, we had a blast. Thank you guys so much uh, for everybody who put up with us shoving our phones and microphones in your face. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, Please uh, consider subscribing and leaving a review at iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or just about anywhere that you get your podcasts.
0: And as always, if you want to know more about Steve's books, you can visit swloudon.com and find out more about the Anthony losing Crosswise and the Greg Salem series that has a new book coming out soon. And if you want to find out more about Eric Bietner's books, you
1: can find out about Leadfoot, which was nominated in Lost in Anthony, and Unloaded, which was nominated in Lost in Anthony, at ericbeatner.com. That's all for now. Thanks for listening.